I'm going to also take a second to tell you all about one of our show sponsors. That's Norse Fire Equipment out of North Dakota. Whenever I first started talking about having sponsors for the show, I really wanted it to be genuine businesses that are firefighter owned and operated and people that have good business ethics and have a good mission. Matt Vercota reached out to me from Norse Fire Equipment. He and I have spoken and, and talked back and forth a little bit, got to know each other. And he seems to fit that criteria. He's a full-time firefighter and founded this company in 2020 to provide a good place for firefighters to be able to get equipment that they needed to be able to do their job and have it at a good price and just good quality equipment instead of some of these places that want to sell you real cheap crap. For Y'all go over to NorseFireEquipment.com, coupon code COWBOY5. That'll get you 5% off on your online orders. All right, guys, on with the show. Hey guys, I'm going to take a second and tell you all about First Line Fire Service Training. It's a badass page on Facebook. I encourage every single one of you to go and follow them. Dennis is a retired fire chief. He's been a huge supporter of our show for since the very beginning. He's believed in Third Alarm Cowboys and our mission of making firefighters better. Dennis also has the same mission of being able to train firefighters, make them better. He's using all of his years of experience of 20 plus years, plus his military background to offer training ideas. He travels all around the country, speaking at different conferences, trying to help guys get better when it comes to their tactical ability, when it comes to their physical ability and everything in between. He's really pushing things to the limits, especially for an older guy that's retired. He's still getting up every single day putting his gear on, going out in the driveway, doing crazy-ass workouts that most of us couldn't even handle. He's still getting out there getting it done. He also does a weekly training video on first-line fire service training, offering up when every type of uh, tactical and operational skills that he's learned throughout his career through working from other people. One thing that's really impressive to me about Dennis is that he – owns the fact that most of the things that he has learned and sharing are things that he learned from other people and he's just passing that on. That's something that he and I have in common. He's taking all the information he took from his career and sharing it on to the next generation to make the next generation solid and better firefighters. That's a great mentality to have. He's the kind of guy that people should be listening to when it comes to learning about what to do in the fire service with their career, with their tactics, and with their operations. So y'all go check them out on Facebook, First Line Fire Service Training, LLC. Send Dennis a message that you heard about his business from our show. If you're putting on any kind of training conference, Dennis is the guy that you need to contact. Get him in the door and let him share his knowledge to make the people in your area that are attending the conference better. And just know that... I support his business and he supports mine. And that's the kind of people that we need in the fire service to make us all better and stronger. This is one of our newest show sponsors. This is a business that was started by Chief Dave Robertson. And really what it all came down to is he knows that getting a fire job or getting promoted for the first time is incredibly hard. It's always a long process. It can be frustrating and it's, it's really incredibly challenging. What's even more challenging is that when you know that you always wanted to be a firefighter and that you would make a great firefighter or even more so being a great officer or chief and you just feel like no one will look at your resume or nobody will even give you a chance or take you serious for that promotion. So Chief Dave works really closely with you know creating just a team of two, the two of y'all. He's all about giving you the commitment that's unmatched towards achieving your, your career goals and exactly what you want to do.
He will mentor and coach you to help you become the kind of candidate that these fire departments are all looking for and they can't miss. Chief Dave from Fire Edge, he comes with 25 years of fire service experience. Guys, go listen to the episode that I had him on the show. He talks all about it. He's been there and done that and actually earned his stripes in this business. On the business side, he's got thousands of hours of coaching and training, leading, consulting, recruiting, building hiring processes, you know, you name it, and he's done it. Chief Dave, just talking to him, he's all about the one-on-one connection. He's all about customer service, and he really genuinely does care about the fire service as a whole and the next generation of guys that we're bringing into this business for a 30-year career. That all leads to having a strong passion with what you're doing and who you're working with. That's the 100% commitment that Chief Dave has given to me uh, with the Third Alarm Cowboys and what he's given to every single one of you out there across this nation and in Canada that are wanting to get involved in the fire service and are wanting to make that next step. Truly, it doesn't matter if you are just a recruit that's aspiring to get a fire career job or you're a company officer that's wanting to become a chief or a chief officer that's wanting to move any high, even higher. What you got to do is figure out your why and find your passion that makes you truly love this job. And that's what Chief Dave Robertson is doing with Fire Edge. So guys, give him a chance. Go look him up. Give him a phone call. He's putting his personal number out there for the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast listeners to give him a call and get your fire career either started and going or moving in the direction in which you want to do. So give Dave a call at 519-384-3072. And that's Fire Edge Career Coaching, Training, and Consulting. Y'all go give him a chance. Go get to know him. He's a great guy. Go listen to the podcast episode that I had him on. That's Chief Dave Robertson. Dispatch to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. Hey guys, I'm going to tell you all about our Valentine's Day special I just launched for the Third Alarm Cowboy Cigars. All single cigars with the promo code VDAY24 are going to have 10% off. So get your Valentine to go ahead and order you a Third Alarm Cowboy Cigar. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TAC Channel. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is a podcast for firefighters. We talk about real-life situations, stuff in your station like leadership and promotions, and stuff in your personal life like relationships and finances. You name it, we talk about it. Some things may be a little controversial, but that's real life, and that's what we're going to talk about on this show. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to just let you all know it's been a hell of a fucking couple days off for me. Uh, I had a horse try to colic on me yesterday. For those of you that don't know, just go Google that shit because I ain't got the time to explain it to you. Uh, but the good news is, got home this morning. We had some new baby calves that had dropped and hit the ground, and they're doing good and they're healthy. So things are looking good on the home front for me. Got the horse back home this morning from the vet. All's good and clear on her. So now we're just moving forward, and I'm really excited today to be able to bring on really one of my closest friends. Uh, this has been pretty much something I've wanted to do. He's been a guest I've wanted to bring on really since I started this. 
the dude's had an amazing life. He's had an amazing career. He's really gone on to do some pretty phenomenal things, uh, really, since we quit working together. A uh, little disclosure here. This this show is going to get pretty damn funny at times, I'm just going to tell y'all. Uh, he and I have some hellacious stories together, uh, and I'm just really happy to bring him on. I'm really happy and proud uh, of where he's gone with his career from the time that we worked together. He was a rookie for me probably, I'd say, at least maybe five, six years ago. Uh, fought a lot of fires together, made a lot of calls together, and now he's moved on to another department and, and doing great things. So, guys, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring Clay on. Guys, welcome Clay Morris to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? My name's Clay. Uh, he gave a pretty good introduction there, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, probably probably better than I deserve. <laughs> hey, man, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I appreciate that, man. But, uh, yeah, no, so I've been in the fire service for, uh, if you want to include volunteer time, I know a lot of guys say that time don't count, but uh, to me it does a little bit. But uh, I've been in the fire service for almost 10 years now. I've been a professional fireman for about seven, so uh Spent some good time, had some good fires with uh, with you over there on the east side of town. And since then, I've moved over to the northwest side of town and, and ma making some good changes over there. Uh, yeah, man, um, so a little bit kind of about me, a little background on me is uh, when I was, you know, a young kid, I, I, I kind of was lost and grew up in the foster care system and uh, wanted to kind of find something that uh, – when I became an adult, I was like, man, you know what? I want to, I want to be around a bunch of men. I want to be around a bunch of hard dudes. And, you know, I want to, I want to <clears throat> kind of join a career where there's a bunch of dudes around that, you know, don't take no crap from nobody. And, you know, just that kind of mentality. And I found the fire service and I was like, man, dude, I was like, heck yeah, I want to be a fireman. And, uh, I quickly realized that there's, there's some, there's some firemen that don't meet that expectation more often than not. And I was like, Oh no, this ain't good. And so, uh, Kind of where I'm at in my career is uh, I kind of strive to kind of bring that back to the fire service, more of that old school mentality of just, you know, do the hard work, you know, be driven. Your physical fitness matters. Your mentality matters. And, you know, I'm more of a, a guys-oriented type people. Um, sometimes my cap gets a little little scared every once in a while about some HR stuff, but we, we keep we keep it we keep it PG-13 at least. <laughs> hey, man. Uh it is what it is, man. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad that you went ahead and, and kind of threw that little nugget out there. So, guys, one of the biggest deals about this uh, with me bringing Clay on is he and I know pretty much the down and dirty side of each other's life. Uh, he was with me on my crew when I was going through some of my darkest times, going through a pretty nasty divorce, pretty nasty custody battle, uh, and all that, you know, and, and he's had a past – that most of us wouldn't really want to go through. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. That's kind of Clay's deal. But where he's come from that, the things he's done, and the fact that now, you know, he, he kind of breezed over it a little bit. But, you know, now he's uh, he's married, he's got kids, and is, is really doing an a, a absolutely exemplary job on what it is to be a father and to be a husband and to be a fireman. The, the real deal for me is – we recently saw each other at, at RJ Nepp, the condemned saint, at his boxing match. Uh, when was that? That was in December? November? November. Yeah, that was, that was a couple months back. Yeah, so uh, Clay is, of course, he, you know, he talked about how he kind of grew up in and out of the foster system and doing all that. You know, part of that deal is, is guys, for, for people that don't know, that's that's not necessarily easy. Uh, and no. 
a lot of people that grew up in the foster care system, unless you get a, actually, you know, actually adopted into a home and then with the family, <clears throat> you don't really have some good stories about being passed around from place to place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure, man. And, you know, I, I kind of want to paint the picture for people to understand, you know, the reason why one of the one of the biggest deals I'm going to go ahead and just let everybody know out here because I've been dying ever since you sent me that flyer the other day. One of the biggest reasons why Clay's coming on the show today um, because I want to give the introduction and, and let you all know who it is, but Clay is coming on and being uh, one of one of our hashtag third alarm fighters. So he we, uh, came over to represent. He works for a department that that was uh, where RJ fought. The boxing ring that he was in uh, actually is in Clay's stations district. So they came out in full force and with their uh, you know their trucks, their crew, all that and really showed uh, just a proud level of firefighter brotherhood of what it actually means. And I know for, for net to be able to look up in the stands, see guys in uniform and then all the other guys that, that he knows and he saw those faces and stuff. It really means the world. Well, clay was there. And the deal is, is clay's fought his entire life. I mean, <laughs> the deal is man, we made some calls together that were sketchy and shit. And clay always had my back and I always had his, and we did some shit on the East side that we're probably not necessarily proud of, but it is what it is when you work in, in rough neighborhoods, you know, cops are nowhere to be found. And sometimes people want to get sideways with you and all you have is your crew. I mean, some of the places we work, some of the apartment complexes we go into, whether we were there to try to put a fire out or not, those people would try to jump us. People try to steal shit off the pumpers. I mean, they didn't give a damn. So having a, a badass crew with you, uh, in which I did, I was blessed the whole time that I worked over there, <laughs> the, the guys on there, everybody over was G. Uh, we all laughed because we all had a past of, of living a little rough and living a little rowdy. And that's kind of branched into basically what the deal is now is, is clay has, has taken all his past experience and his time in and out of training and all that good stuff. And now he's going to be fighting, uh, professionally doing Virginia Jiu Jitsu. So just kind of letting that cat out of the bag. That's, that's what we have going on. And Clay's going to be representing us. Uh, and you know, we're going to be representing him as firefighters, uh, from here on out, whenever he's going to these tournaments and, and rolling on the mats and everything like that, that's, Definitely not easy to do, but it's something that I, I'm proud to be partnered with him. I'm proud for, you know, us to be, um, you know, locked arms and, and rocking on with. So that's kind of where all this is coming from. And I'm just – I know that's kind of jumping around a little bit, but I just want to let people know, like, that's what the deal is and that's what we have going on. And it really makes me proud that somebody uh, – you know, Nep and I have been friends for a long time, and he's a, he's a great, solid guy. He's doing the professional boxing route. And then we got Clay over here. He's going to be doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, you know, it's two different combat sports. But the level of discipline that goes along with that, and then also being a full-time firefighter and a family man and everything like that, man, it just it just shows the character uh, of these guys and why we're bringing them on and why, you know, they're going to represent the Third Alarm Cowboys out there in the ring and on the mats. So that's kind of where we're at. But, you know, I just want to kind of – Explain that a little bit, Clay, because, uh, you know, I know you grew up fighting. I mean, bottom line, I know that uh, things weren't necessarily rainbows and unicorns for you. So, yeah, uh, Oh, yeah, for sure, man. So one thing I wanted to kind of reel back in on real quick was that night that I met RJ. So you, you had told me that RJ was fighting over my territory, and to be honest, it was that used to be a volleyball event where they were fighting at. 
And so, like, overnight, that became that boxing arena, and we barely knew what it was. And you were like, hey, we got a, we got a dude fighting over here. And I just thought it was one of your buddies. I didn't know it was a fellow firefighter. Mm. And you told me who it was, and I was like, oh, yeah, man. I was like, we're, we're showing up. You know, firemen got to support firemen. You know, that's one thing that, you know, kind of like I hinted on earlier in the podcast is that what brought me to the fire service was brotherhood. And so I want to bring that back. So I don't care if I've got to go, you know, I don't care if you know, I'm tired. I want to go to sleep, whatever, you know, nine o'clock at night, there's a fireman fighting in my territory. Guess where we're going to be, man, get in the truck. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those things where, you know, we're going to support our guys and I'm trying to bring that, that, you know, brotherhood back. And there's only one way to do it is to, you know, be about it. And I'll just talk about it. So I didn't know RJ from Adam, whenever I uh, showed up to that arena, and uh, I never saw him before he fought, but uh, just being a fighter and growing up in the fighting world, there's there's something that kind of like fighters, we, we kind of understand with each other, dude. Like, you can say anything you want. You can talk however you want to talk, but when you're fighting, you can see it. Like, you can see if that dude's got it or if he's just bluffing or and he's just out there or whatever, man. And I saw RJ out there fighting, and, dude, that, that dude was dancing around with them feet, dude, switching around, throwing them through. He was, he was throwing all kinds of crazy stuff, man. That guy that guy has some heart. And so uh, not knowing RJ from Adam, you know, when he came out that ring and walked over, dude, I just had to give him a hug and tell him that he did a good job, man, you know. And I know he probably appreciated that, but, I mean, uh, dude, like, like you can just – you can see it when somebody's out there performing, man. And, and really they're, they're, they, we work so hard months or whatever for, you know, one, one night and it could be minutes, it could be seconds or whatever like that. But you work this so hard just for this little bit of time. And, uh, RJ did really good that night, man. And, I, and I'm pretty, I'm glad to be a part of a team with that guy on it. Cause that dude's hard. Hell yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he as well, man. Uh, I, I've been in some shit with him on some calls before too. <laughs> yeah, man. And honestly, dude, like, like, so kind of an introduction for, I mean, everybody at this point should know what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is. If you don't, it's just another form of grappling is all it really is, man. Um, I started off, uh, you know, honestly kind of getting into little street fights and stuff like that. And then, you know, in my early, early twenties, I was like, man, I kind of want to, you know, box. And I started off boxing with a guy named Philip out of Katy. And uh, one of the dude, it was out of a gym uh, in Katy, uh, like a weightlifting gym, but they had like some little boxing area set up. And so I started boxing, man, and, and I, I don't know why, I just always wanted to use my feet. And I was like, I was like, man, it sucks, dude. I feel like I don't use my feet, you know, I don't know about this. And uh, one of the guys that was working out there, he came walking by, his name is uh, Michael, he came, Michael Olivares, Olivares. He came by and he was like, man, he's like, I don't think this stuff's for you, man. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean, man? He's like, come over by my gym, you know, and he he taught me what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was. And I was like, man, so I dropped in over there at uh, Gracie Bar Katie and uh, I started rolling around with those guys. And man, I fell in love with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because not only is it fighting, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a hundred percent applicable to life. You're in, you're stuck. You're in a problem. And, uh, you're either going to tap or you're going to figure it out. You know, it's, it's like a game. It's like playing chess with, with somebody's body. And, you know, just because somebody has you in a position doesn't mean you're done for, you know, you just got to figure out the, the way to get out of it. And once you get out of it, you got to play your pieces right to hopefully that plays back in your favor, man. And, uh, jiu-jitsu in my opinion is just really good for your heart and your soul, man. And, and it plays right into firefighting. It's taught me so much you know, in my life that it's just, a, it's just a martial art that I fell in love with, man. And 
I've been at a couple of different places. I went to a couple of different gyms, like traveling around and stuff. And man, I, I tried Muay Thai, which is, that was probably my second most fun, uh, martial art was Muay Thai, but I've done wrestling. I've done jujitsu. I, I spar a little bit with some MMA guys and stuff, but jujitsu is where it's at for me. That's just where my heart is. Well, I definitely, uh, I definitely understand that. I, uh, I've always been a huge fan of it. Sad thing about where I live is I don't really have any options <laughs> for being able to go and roll anywhere. It's, it's about a hour. Mm, yeah. About an hour, hour and a half to the nearest gym for me. So, uh, and that's just on my days off. So it's something that I've always been majorly impressed by and, you know, basically looked up to the guys that do that. I think that it's a great sport. And I, I, I completely agree with you on what it does for uh, your well-being just as a whole. Uh, I think that it's a, a very discipline-driven sport that it, 100%. It's applicable to everything in your life, whether it's your home life or in the in the fire service or whatever. And one thing, you know, uh, I noticed about you the other day when it's it's been a couple of years since I've seen you, to be honest, since uh, one of our old crew members got married, I think was the last time I saw you in person. Uh, and just seeing since you stepped it up and really started taking it seriously and competing and everything like that, um, just what you've done with your actual physical being. I mean, the, the muscle that you put on slash weight that you lost is, is truly impressive. Um, and of course, I know that you've got a funny story with that. You know, uh, rolling with big dudes was not necessarily something that you were enjoying a whole lot. But um, you know, if that's something that you want to talk about, just the what it what it's done for you physically. Yeah, man. So when I first started uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I was weighing in at like about two twenty five, two thirty, and uh, it was all right. You know, there be you know, I was just doing training at the gym and stuff, and and it was it was it wasn't that big of a deal. Of course, you know, everybody that's fat wants to lose weight. Let's not let's not beat around the bush here. If you're fat, you want to lose weight. If you say no, you're a liar. Um, so my thing is, is I, I want to lose weight, but I couldn't really figure it out and stuff. And then I was like, oh, you know, I, I always made excuses or my wife would be like, oh, let's go eat this. I'm like, okay. You know, I go have my cheap meal and my cheap meal turned into a cheap month, um, and so on and so forth. But man, uh, really where it, it came clear to me that there was a problem was, uh, I went to a competition, man. And, and my very first competition, I only been doing jujitsu for six months and I got thrown around that mat like a rag doll. First off, I should never have went and fought with just six months of training. My, I, I should have probably had some people tell me that wasn't a good idea. Um, but uh, anyways, I went out there and I was competing against dudes that have been doing it for two years. And there's definitely a level difference. And those dudes, 225 being in shape and 225 being fat, are two. Th those dudes look totally different. And uh, so I got, I got it put on me, man. And then, um, you know, I tried to lose weight. I tried to go on a weight loss journey, man. And really what did it for me was uh, we, we do life scan at our department. And uh, you you know how it is. Every once a year they come through and, and, and they always usually seem to find one thing. And it's like, oh, you got leaky valves in your heart or all oh, this, this, that, and the third, you know. Uh, most of the time it's not a big deal. Well, they told me, they said, hey, man, you need to go see a cardiologist about your cholesterol. And I was like, okay. So I went and I went to a cardiologist and cardiologist like, man, you know, uh, it's not looking or I did, I'm sorry. I take that back. I didn't go to a cardiologist. I had one of my buddies look at it and he was like, man, he's like, uh, that's not good. You know? And we basically, they give you a, uh, they give you like a ratio of like your cholesterol. And I'm not going to pretend to know that I, I know how that works and how that math co co 
converts and everything. But basically, I was informed that there was about a 30, somewhere between a 30 to a 40 percent chance that I would have a massive heart attack within the next 10 to 15 years. And that made me sit down for a minute, man. And I'm not going to lie to you. When they said that to me, I thought about my children. And, uh, you know, like you said, I'm a dad. And I just couldn't imagine, you know, how my kids would feel if I left that void in their life, you know, so early. And I was like, dude, 10 years old, I was like, or 10, 10 years from now, you know, my son will only be 14, 15 years old. You know, my daughter, I'm like, man, I, dude, I, can't, I couldn't do that to them. And so I was like, you know, enough with the excuses. I got to get in shape for them. And luckily, man, my, I have a really good officer that and my district chief are both really into fitness. And uh, they told me about the keto diet. And I was like, man, that's bull crap. You know, blah, 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 man, that's a fad diet. And they said, no, genetically, if your cholesterol is bad, you know, the keto diet might be a lifelong thing for you. And I was like, man, uh, I don't know, dude, you mean to tell me that eating fats, you mean to tell me that eating fats and stuff is going to help my cholesterol? They were like, yeah, because you program your body to burn it. And I was like, man, I don't know about that. You, you guys are going to give me a heart attack and kill me. And uh, they were like, no, 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 no. So uh, I, I was, they were like, give me four months. They said, give me four months on a keto diet. And if you don't fix all your problems, then, then you go back. I was like, okay. So I gave them four months and, uh, Dude, I, I lost so much weight. I lost like 30 pounds in that first uh, three or four months. And I was like, dude, this is insane. And I went back and had my blood work done and my cholesterol problems completely gone. And I keep up with my blood work now, you know, since I got that scare, that health scare, um, I keep up with my blood work about once every six to 12 weeks. I get it done again. And all my stuff's perfectly fine now. I'm in good physical shape. I feel great and everything like that. So, you know, keto diet might not be for everybody out there, but uh, it's definitely for my genetics and it's more of a lifelong thing instead of like a fad diet, you know. But when that doctor, when, when you know, when the doctor's telling you uh, that it ain't looking good and your cholesterol levels are sitting there saying your risk ratios through the roof, you know, uh, you also know as well as being a fireman that, you know, cardiac related events are pretty pretty common to us and stuff and i was like man there's there's so many red flags going off here uh, i need to i need to listen up and pay attention there's time to make a change so now i weigh i weigh i walk around at about 175 to 180 and i try to fight at 168 so that's a that's a heck of a difference when i first started losing weight i was stuck at 240 250 yeah i was gonna say you were uh pretty i'm not gonna say as as big as me but you were you weren't too far off whenever we were working together, which I've always been a big dude. That's that's something that uh, it's hard for me to shake. It's that honestly, it's genetic. I mean, when you got both your grandfathers are six seven and uh, weighed about three fifty and built like damn brick shit houses, there's not much you can do as far as genetics. But um, I'm just come from a long line of really really big solid men. But uh, yeah, I was highly impressed with uh with how much weight you dropped and and how good you were looking honestly uh just overall i mean you're you're ripped bro <laughs> you're you're ripped as hell so man, i appreciate it i work i work hard don't think that don't think all that goes uh easy man you got you got to do all the exercising the dieting the intermittent fasting and it ain't just one thing it's all of it together and man uh yeah i say it's a lot dude but it's definitely, it's definitely worth it, man. Like, dude, now that I'm in shape, I look at my kids and I'm like, man, you know, who, who knows how much time I bought, you know, more with my kids and stuff just by me getting in shape and everything. And then my son, dude, like my son's doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now. He wants to be, you know, 
you know how little boys are, man. They're just mm-hmm. like that. They want to be like that. And so <laughs> my son's over here. I got my son's hanging from freaking uh, crepe myrtle trees in my front yard doing pull-ups. And this dude's got freaking lats for days. And he's, he's over here. He's telling me he wants to be a fireman. He wants to do jujitsu and choke people and stuff. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm raising a little Neanderthal over here. I like it. <laughs> Would you expect anything else coming from you? No, dude. My, what's even funnier is my little my, my my son. He's about to be six in February, and my my daughter, she's only two, and she takes him down. He'll mm. still run up and sneak him. She she goes she goes and just watches the jujitsu classes, and he'll just be standing there. She'll walk up and hit him with a blast double leg, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is for you when it comes to that man, what uh? I mean, of course, I was working with you whenever you had your son, but what was it like having that baby girl? Dude, I'd, I'd explain this to you know if you're a new parent out there, if you're you're expecting a kid, man, it's it's a unfathomable experience, and it's hard to explain it to people, man. But when I found out that we were having a second kid, you know, I was excited. But yeah, you know, I remember telling my wife, I was like, man, I just I feel guilty, you know, right before my daughter was born, I feel guilty, and she said, why? And I was like, man, I just I love my son more than anything in this world, and and when I say that, like you would burn down nations for your child without blinking an eye. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of love I'm talking about, man. Like I'd do anything for that kid. And, um, you know, when I talk, when I, uh, found out we were having a second one, you know, like I said, right at the end, dude, I was like, I don't, I, I just don't know if I can love something as much as I love my son or if I could, if I could even share that love and I'm scared that I'm going to be a bad dad. And when that little girl took our first breath into this world, dude, I swear on everything. I'm lying. I'm dying. She didn't cry. She looked right at me and smiled. And I was like, Oh man. And right there, it was like, you know, you don't think you don't understand as a dad, like how you can share that love that you have for one of your kids. And then when that second kid was born, I didn't share a single drop of my love. It just grew even more. And uh, honestly, man, having kids is the easiest way to get closer to God, because uh, there's a lot of things that that Bible and that good book talks about, man, and and sometimes you don't understand it. But whenever you become a dad, a lot more of it makes sense about how you can love somebody like that, you know, and I I don't like to compare myself to God like that. But, you know, you understand being a father, you know, how God must feel, you know, looking on me, you know what I mean? And and it's, it's the same way. No, I completely agree, bro. I, I really do. I think, I mean, you know my story uh, of what, you know, I put down the pills, I put down uh, the insane amount of drinking and all that stuff, which, you know, don't get me wrong, I still I still drink a little bit, but uh, it's not to the level that it was, and uh, of course you know that, and, and all the past that I've been through, I, you know, I put it all down when I became a dad. Uh, so I, I totally understand that, that it, 100%, that's the deal, and I... That's something I did want to talk to you about on this uh, on this episode because I think you're a great example of it. And, you know, you and I talked about kind of what your vision for what you want to do in the fire service and brotherhood. And, you know, we've been around each other long enough to know what uh, each other – what our expectations are and stuff. And honestly, man, we – you know, we – We'll just go ahead and start getting into kind of some of the nitty-gritty on this. But I think you're a great example for someone that could come from bottom line the shit and has grown into someone that, honestly, I, I'm, I'm proud to know. 
whether it's in your fire service career, all the things you've accomplished, the promotion that you got, you know, being able to drive, uh, and you know, whenever you got promoted to EO, man, I was I was blown away. I was so proud of that. I hated that you had to wait till your station got built, uh, but that's just the dynamic of uh, of developing departments. But uh, overall, what you're doing as a dad and a husband and all that stuff from someone that that literally has came from from basically nothing. Um, it's something for me to be able to look at, and I really, in this podcast, one of the biggest things I do is try to kick people in the mouth and make them realize, like, hey, we got to do better. Um, the fire service is my community. The fire service is my family. And if we're not policing our own and we're not telling our own brothers and sisters where they're fucking up and where they need to step their game up, then we're not doing them justice because no one else is going to do it. You know, we have all these guys running around. They tell chiefs, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You're the greatest chief that there ever was. And then they turn around and come sit at the kitchen table and they say all the things that are wrong with the department, all the things that we need to fix, all this shit. But, you know, we have a huge... I would say an epidemic in the fire service of guys that just refuse to tell the truth to each other. And, you know, one of my biggest things I'll say all day long, the reason why my wife and I have the relationship that we do is because whether we hurt each other's feelings or not, we tell each other the damn truth. If, if, if I fuck up, if she fucks up, if, if I do something that, you know, makes her mad, which is probably a hundred times a damn day because I'm me and I'm, I'm hard to live with and I'm difficult and I know that, but she loves me anyway. But we have that open line of communication, and I think that that is something in the fire service as a whole, whether it's young guys, old guys, whatever, our open line of communication to each other about where people need to step shit up or about where guys need to fix their behaviors, just over all across the board, we don't, we're not having real truthful conversations, and this podcast from the very beginning has been all about that. And, you know, I, I wanted to bring you on here for shit, man, at least a year now. You've been on my on my guest list. I had you wrote down as somebody I wanted on here because I really I really think that you set a great example for someone that does the right thing, no matter who's watching. I think that you put your family first. I think now that you're you're a father. And knowing your past, I know that you being a father it is more important than anything. And truthfully, 2024, you look around, you go to these, you know, I know you're in the same boat. You go to these kids' sporting events and all this shit, and dads just suck. I mean, just bottom line, dads suck. They're not paying attention to their kids. They're not putting in the work with their kids. They're too busy worried about what the fucking ball game that's on the TV or what coming up single on Facebook and they're more worried about that shit than their kids. And I know you and I know how you feel when it comes to being a dad from the things that you've been through and everything. And I just, man, I want you to kind of paint a picture and really just kind of kick our, our, our family, our community of the fire service needs a kick in the mouth when it comes to being open and honest with each other, no matter whether it hurts each other's feelings and really what kind of caliber of dad and husband that we're being. Uh, when the number one rumor is and the you know you search on Facebook that the number one uh, cheating profession out there uh, for men is firefighters, we have a terrible reputation. And I know that's not you. 
that's not, you know, who I am. It was, you know, I, I've done all those fuck ups. So I'm not going to act like I'm perfect because I've done all that shit, but I've evolved and learned. But that's honestly something I, I want you to just kind of give your insight in and, and just pour out and, and really just give, give all of our brothers and sisters out there a kick in the mouth on how you feel about all that. Man, uh, I was actually making a joke with my captain the other day. Man, we just had our banquet at our job, and, and I laughed at him, and I told him, I said, man, I said, I, I, I only go to these things just so that way I can socialize with y'all. He's like, man, they're going to pass out awards and stuff. I said, brother, with as honest as I am to people, I don't, I ain't getting no award no time soon. I said, that's a popularity contest. Ain't nobody voting for the dude who tells the truth to people. <laughs> Amen but, to that, dude. Yeah, Amen yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just how it is, man. And I, and my, my deal is this, dude, is uh, I, I try to, you know, I, I do try to be honest with people. And I, and I tell them, I say, hey, man, like, if I've ever said something to you at the station or if I'm currently saying something to you that hurts your feelings, just understand I'm not being mean. I'm saying this because I, I love and I care about you. And I, and I know you got a family at home and, and stuff like that. And, and you, you, you're capable of better. And right now you're not doing it. I mean, we uh, that's that's all the way from people who aren't ready for positions. You got guys coming out of fire academy talking about I'm gonna drive a fire truck, and I'm like, no, you're not. And they're like, yeah, I'm gonna drive a fire truck, and you're gonna train me. And I'm like, dude, look, if you're not scared to get behind the wheel of a fire truck, you're not ready to drive a fire truck because you don't understand what that machine is capable of doing, how many lives it could kill at just 30 miles an hour. And if you're not worried about that, you're not ready for that position. And, you know, people get mad at me and we, we, you know, we can go toe to toe and talk about it and stuff like that, go round and round. And sometimes it's chalked up as Clay's just an asshole, but really in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things, dude, I'm, I'm telling you that you should care about your job. You should care about yourself. And, and honestly, um, a conversation that I have with my captain a lot, dude, and it really does hurt my feelings sometimes, man, is, is uh, I, I get frustrated, I get flustered, I get wound up, and my cap sees me spun up at the station, mad as hell. And he's like, well, what's wrong with you, man? And I'm like, I'm just so fucking sick and tired of giving a shit more about people. I care more about people than they care about themselves. I care more about their success than they care about their success. And every once in a while, I have to realize when that's happening, man. And I have to pull it back and I have to say, hey, dude, like, I want you to succeed and I want to push you in that direction. And I want you to flourish shine and, and, you know, go beyond the the limits of what you think you are. But that's a two way street. If you're not ready for it, then you're not ready for it, man. I'll, I'll let you sit there and simmer a little bit longer, but. I mean, dude, I try to, I try to not spark in all kinds of people, man. I hear people all from losing weight uh, all the way to being in shape, all the way to, I want to go get the certification or I want this job or I want to do this, I, anything, man. I, I try to give guidance where I can because I look back at when I was, like you said, man, I came up from nothing and I look back at when I had nothing and guess what? I had people help me get to where I got. And if I said that I didn't, I'm a liar. I had, a, I had you as my captain, didn't I? I had HFV guys, you know, kick my teeth in the dirt when I was being lazy and I wasn't doing the right thing. I had mentors. I had people that led me in the right direction. And all I can do is pay that forward. 
you know, and I see I see some guys that they're okay with, you know, oh, man, I, I earned my time. I'm going to sit in the recliner and I'm going to chill. I'm like, hey, dude, that's all cool. We can do that, but but let's get some physical fitness in first. Let's get some training in first. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say that I do that every single day. You're going to have off days and you're going to want to come in, you know, and you're going to want to be like, dude, I don't feel good or, man, I'm really going through it at the house and you're going to want to chill. I mean, hell, how many times did we sit down and watch Band of Brothers for the eighth time? You know what I mean? Like, it's um, sometimes dude, sometimes you're defeated man you know and sometimes you need a break but i mean when it, when everything's good everything's golden man let's get outside and train let's get outside and, hey dude i got a rookie on my truck i need to teach him this that and the third or god forbid he just messed up on a fire last week and you're just gonna sit around in your station and not correct it you know what i mean it's like the, the problem that i see in the fire service more than anything is just that is that people kind of have a a skewed view of, of what's going on and what the fire service actually is. And, and to be honest with you, I think HR has taken a hold in our fire service a little bit, a little too hard. Uh, a lot of fire departments I see, uh, HR is a little rampant in those departments. Like we're working an office job and I'm sorry, but you, you can't sit there and expect me to act like a guy in a cubicle when I run into a burning building. We're not, those aren't the same people, man. Like no, no normal person's going to want to go into a burning building. Whereas in, we think it's fun. You know what I mean? Like we're not normal people. And so, uh, a lot of people, man, are like, Oh yeah, you know, anybody can work in this position or anybody deserves this. It's like, no dude, earn it, man. I'm tired of people being given stuff. It's like, earn it, dude. If you didn't do good on your promotion test, cool, dude, you didn't earn it, man. Go on, move on about your day, you know? But, uh, that's that's more or less what I try to bring to the fire station, man. Is a, is I see people when I, I I don't ever try to do make people do things they don't want to do, you know. Like, but if I hear a guy talking about physical fitness, I'm like, let's go work out. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm fat. I want to lose weight. I'm like, well, let's start eating right. And they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, man, you know, I'll, I'll start calling them out a little bit and trying to put that conviction in their heart and put push them in the right direction, but. Yeah, like I said, man, my cap, my cap, and I cap laughs at me all the time, man. He's like, he, he, he I get spun up, dude. Whenever I'm, I'm over here, I'll find myself like caring about people's success more than they care about their success, and I'll be going back and forth, pacing holes in the floor, and I'll just throw my arms up in there, and I'm like, you know what, I'm done. He's like, you good? And I'm like, yeah, thanks for letting me rant. <laughs> I know you remember those days. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I think I've had you in the office a couple of times. <laughs> For sure, but I mean, you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. It's it's uh, that's really spot on for kind of what we're looking at, and I think we've all been guilty at different times of basically everything that you said. Uh, we have different departments out there that try to rush guys into promotions to fill spots because they have staffing issues or uh, you know, a, a developing area that's building stations stations faster than they can hire people, and so. Um, you know, guys come on board and three months later, they, they have to spill, fill a spot. So they're forcing them to have to start driving. I know, I know you and I have both been through that. Uh, and oh, yeah, man, I remember, I remember being told, Hey man, you're, you're signed up for this driver operator class. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't think I should be in a driver operator class, dude. I don't feel safe driving a truck at all. And I was told you can either get this certification or you're fired. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess I'm gonna get the certification. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, man. Hey, the worst part about that is I was 
already a captain. They made me go. I had already drove for two years, but my old department didn't require those uh, those certifications. They did in-house training and, and credentialing. And so they made me, even though I was an officer and I wasn't allowed to ride down as a driver, I still had to go get that damn class, <laughs> which, uh, I mean, it's done me good now, you know, starting over and stuff like that uh as a fireman again and it's funny the the cool thing is i want to share with everybody is clay and i are actually right next door apartments are right next door on that northwest side of of houston again and it's pretty funny because now we're making a lot of the same fires and stuff our departments do and it's just comical how small the world the fire service really and truly is and the reputation that you gain in those first few years follows you and it can be it can be really good it can be something that helps you out, you know, benefits you throughout your career, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, I've never really gone without a job because the reputation that I was able to build kind of when I got to in a bind to a point where I needed a job, I hit somebody up and they were able to get me on type thing. So guys really do need to understand that the people that you're working with today either could be your boss later on down the road or, you may need them later on down the road because things aren't working out where you are. I mean, to be completely frank, I think the days of being at one department your whole career and that's that's all you ever see, unless you're working for a huge municipality, I, I think those days are done. If you're working for you know a smaller ESD or something like that, guys are going to kind of go – and, and transfer to different places till they find their home because these smaller departments, they don't have as many stations. They don't have as many crews. So guys don't always necessarily kind of find their home. It could be like you. I mean, that's – I know one of the biggest reasons, uh, aside from the toxic uh, environment that we worked in, one of the things that you wanted to do was go back to that side of town that you had originally started off and volunteered at and that's the norm. I mean, that really is pretty normal for most people. They kind of bounce around and go to a lot of different places, but it's hilarious whenever you're still running into people, uh, or you're, you know, you sit down you start talking about guys that you know and stuff and hell, the guys on your crew all know people that you've worked with. And it's just such a small world. And I think people forget what they're doing today and the reputation they're building today, whether it's, you know, like you're talking about the getting up, putting in the work, or they're sitting around and you know bitching and crying about all the things that they didn't get that they weren't handed to them. That shit's remembered later on down the road. That I mean, it really is, and it's it can it can really help you, or it can hurt you in ten years. Whenever you're uh, when you're looking for that promotion, or you're looking to go somewhere else to you know for better pay or benefits or whatever it is, it really matters of what you do today. Oh, man, I, one thing I can definitely say is that I know a lot of people, you may be aware of it, you may not be aware of it, but uh, I recently took a captain's uh, promotion test and I got beat by a guy from a different, from an outside agency by 0.4 points. That was, that's a tough loss. I'd have much rather lost by like 10 points or 20 points, but losing by 0.4 points, you know, that that's a tough one, man. And, and I'm on the peg, as I said, right now for an officer spot. And, uh, but what's that with the, what I will tell you is, um, in those moments, man, people will look and they want to see how you're taking that L 
you know that that what do you what are you saying? What are you what are you gonna say? You know, are you gonna blame everybody else? Are you gonna shrug your shoulders? Are you gonna pout? Are you gonna be depressed? Are you gonna take it out on the guys at the station? Dude, people are watching you. The moment you the moment you take a L, everybody wants to see how you're gonna react. And in that moment that you're taking that L, that's a true definition of your character, man. You're either gonna shrug your shoulders and say, Man, that hurt, but it wasn't in God's plan. Let's move on to the next thing. What's next? You know, and, you know, uh, I, that's kind of how I went about it, man. And a lot of guys at my department, they, you know, they, they'll do what firemen do. They pick a little bit. They're like, man, how did that make you feel, dude? Are you okay? And I'm like, hey, man, it is what it is, dude. I'm on the peg. And it, you know, I'm, I'm here. And, uh, you know, that you know, I, everybody makes a joke, oh, number four, number four, because they hired three captains. So I'm called number four right now. But, I mean, honestly, dude, uh, the big blessing of it is this, like I, I'm able to see the the bright side of it. And the bright side of it is that, um, you know, I love my crew, man. My captain and me are, are, are great together. We're both the same mindset of training, physical fitness and family and God and having somebody being able to job with people like that is, is, you know, really good. Cause I worked on crews before where dude, we don't have nothing in common. Even, even down to like our recreational activities outside of work, like we have nothing in common at all mm-hmm. and that's not good. And so, uh, being able to go back to my captain and, you know, work on a crew that, you know, we, we job real well together. Everything's fluid. I mean, that's a blessing in itself. So, but yeah, dude, uh, those people, people watch your L's just as much as they watch your wins and they watch your L's if not more. So you got to be careful what you, what you do. I I think so. I think that's spot on for sure. And I'll add to that a little bit because I think what you said is highly important, mainly because it does, you know, it fits me for my, my current circumstance. I've been asked several times if I, in my full-time department, if I'm going to take the promotional exam and I'm not going to, because I genuinely love the crew that I'm on. I'm actually having fun. Uh, I enjoy coming to work. These guys and I were all, uh, older and more mature we've been in the fire service for a while we're all family guys and so everybody you know we just jive good and i think that that's something that people really kind of pass up on the opportunity because so many people are trying to promote so many people are trying to get ahead you know make more money get a little more power whatever it is and they they miss out on those opportunities man that that crew if you're on a crew that's solid and you genuinely are having fun and enjoy coming to work that's worth any twenty thousand dollar raise to go be somewhere and be fucking miserable because the honest i mean you know, when you promote, you don't know where the hell you're going to get put. You don't know necessarily what crew you're going to get put with and your life may become absolutely miserable. Or if you're at one of these departments like you and I have seen and worked for where they have a constant, you know, influx of of captains or officers coming in and out. Well, there's a reason why they're losing. There's such a turnover rate at that rank. You may be trading your really good uh, family feeling type crew where you get along and all that. For, for a straight-up toxic environment that's going to end up costing basically costing your career because you're going to fucking hate where you're working or who you're working with or the you know the policies and rules that may be put in place for that position that you don't necessarily have to experience right now because you really have a good crew right now. Man, I, I saw that. That's 100% true, man. And you, you got to be happy at work, man. And if you're not happy with your crew, you got to either A, First off, a first option is to take it straight to your crew and have a sit down, man. And, and, you know, I know that can be intimidating for some people that haven't done it before. I mean, but really, 
nothing's going to happen out of it. I mean, what's the worst case scenario that happens? You're still in the same situation that you were in before you had the conversation. Well, that sucks already. So why not just get the conversation over with? It might actually improve some stuff. If y'all can air it out, you know, maybe, maybe you got some issues with your captain or your driver or your, whoever you are on the truck. Maybe you got some issues with people and guess what? Maybe they've got issues with you. You know what I mean? And uh, you might be, need to hear that. You might need to, you might need to understand where you need to work on yourself, but you know, a relationship is a relationship, whether it's marriage or your fire crew, you got to work together on it. And, and, you know, if you're not jiving with somebody, it's your role and responsibility to say, Hey man, I I don't understand why you act this way. Is there something that I do to cause that or or what's up, you know, and y'all got to get the, get all that out, air it out and then move on, dude. And if, and if y'all are just incompatible people, cool, man, that's what they make shift trade request forms for. You get on out of there, go on somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, dude, I, I I will remember one part of my career. I solely remember pulling up and looking at a fire station, and I was there about 30 minutes early, and I sat there and stared at the building until one minute before my shift because I, I wanted to value every second that I had outside of that building before I walked in. <laughs> and what was funny is it took me a, about a month or two to realize, but – Man, I'm just sitting there staring at the building being like, man, I don't want to go in here, dude. I'm not ready to deal with all this crap today, dude. I just want to go home, man. I don't even want to be here. And I look over to my left. Oh, look, there's my whole crew. Everybody's sitting in their car, too, staring at the same building. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was in one of them parking spots. (laughs) I can neither confirm confirm nor deny that. Hey man, it's the truth. It it honestly is. It really is. But the best part about that is we were all in that shit together. Uh, dude, I, oh man, dude! I tell I tell so many stories, so many stories from from us working together, man, at, at my job. One of the funniest ones that I tell, I actually just told this one the other day to my captain. I said, "Man, I, I haven't talked to this dude in a while, but uh, I had a like my senior guy that was on my truck was Jake, and uh, he. I remember, dude." we would always eat that uh, yeah, Ukrainian pizza place down the street. <laughs> and every time, every time we would order that. So it was funny cause they had a, they had a deal where if you buy a special pizza, specialty, large pizza, you could get one regular topping for free. Like an or sorry. It was like a large uh, pizza for free, but it was just one topping. That's cause they so weren't they making had, their money off their pizzas. I tell you that. No, I, I'm not sure <laughs> not, but I, I didn't care, dude, because we got a deal. It was like, Hey bro, I, I get half of the special pizza and you get half of this pizza. We'll split it, dude. We get two pizzas for the price of one. Well, dude, every time we ate those pizzas, we caught a ripping burner and it was never a joke, dude. Like I remember catching warehouse fires. Like, two alarm three alarm warehouse fires at like 30 minutes after eating those pizzas that was like people want to talk about like you know little uh whatever they call them in the fire service like cursing yourself and stuff um man dude that that ukrainian pizza place for sure got us fires every time we ate it but we had to eat the whole pizza and so i remember like that was that was (laughs) the thing we had to eat all of it and so I remember eating the whole large pizza and I'd be sitting there in the fetal position or a clotter and I had the freaking meat sweats because we'd always <laughs> get like meat lovers pizza and then the tones would drop and dude, me and Jake would both hop out of the truck and do the same thing. Fingers straight down the throat right in front of the house fire and just lose everything and then we're like, all right, we're good. Let's go. <laughs> 
That ain't no joke, man. Yeah, that uh, I was thinking about that the other day. There's, I know I'm gonna sound like a straight fat ass, but I will say one thing about where we were. There was some badass restaurants over there. Hey, oh, dude, I remember freaking. Uh, oh man, what's the name of that Mexican restaurant that was really good? Uh, Las Palamas. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, I, I remember eating that freaking burrito that was the size of a small child, dude. Oh, straight up. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was actually talking. Uh, with my crew about that shit on the east side because there's several guys from that department that work where i'm at now um they're all clowning on us because we're all coming over there but um i mean so far it's been pretty good because it still is man it it's so frustrating because anywhere on that side of town you burn the world down i mean you make so many damn badass fires and and I remember us getting primary searches on trailer homes that are fifty percent involved. I mean, dude, it's just cowboy stuff, man. Like you got to do what you got to do, man. And then, and, and you know, I talk to, I talk about that a lot. Some people immediately hear what I just said and be like, "Red flag! Oh, you never do that." Well, I mean, you got to think, dude. Like you, you, my my version, my definition in my head of what risk versus benefit is is different from the next guy because it's all about your exposure what you've seen the environment you've been in you know Mm -hmm. and so i remember pulling up and it's like hey dude i see it like i remember that one uh elderly lady's trailer that burned down you know i remember you pulled up and you were like i know an elderly lady lives in here Uh, she's in here and i was like all right cool you know and so we got in there and got a primary search done on it real quick we built out the window she wasn't in there and and, and it ended up being you know a a little insurance claim fraud thing going on but and she was actually at the hospital thank god she didn't lose her life but i mean it's one of those moments where it's like hey dude high probability like we got to get in here and get this person you know and, and you got you got to go in there and do what you got to do for sure but over, on the, over there on the east side man you're gonna you're gonna do some gangster stuff and <laughs> if you're not you're not really doing your job <laughs> heck no yeah i used to uh i clown all the time because guys will ask me you know how i cut a how i cut a hood off a car and all that kind of shit and i used to i'm like man i'll tell you all day long whenever i was an officer riding on the other side of town uh we didn't cut hoods first you cut trunks first and most people yeah, can't even weird. understand that. But if a car is burning in a parking lot or an apartment complex, you're cutting the trunk. Usually, usually it was for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah, and the, most of them people ain't got insurance, so people need to do the math in between. But uh, oh man, and then my little my little pass that I have growing up, dude. I remember that came in handy working on the east side. Man, I remember you know that MVA that we had, dude. We were sitting on the side of the road, and this this guy's talking about I can't get in my glove box. I can't get in my glove box, and I'm like, man, hold on, let me go get a screwdriver real quick. And that cop's like, man, you don't have the key for it. You don't have the key. And they're sitting over there talking this, that, and the third, you know. And uh, I walk over with a screwdriver and just pop, and that whole glove box comes open. That cop looks at the glove box. The cop looks at me, and then the cop looks at you and goes. <laughs> should I check him for warrants? And you were like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Hell yeah. That shit was hilarious, (laughs) man. We did some pretty crazy stuff over there. I I actually really, I loved working over there for the, for the district and for the community. And you know, you touched on some stuff there that I want to elaborate on because on these last days off, I was working at one of my part times and it got brought up. So I post on social media, some of the fires that we made at my department. I, I told myself in 2024 that one of my new deals I want to do is start posting or or at least taking pictures of the fires I make, especially with the crews that I make, because 
you know, one of the things I, I look back on my career of all the crews I've made fires with, like you and, and some of our other buddies and stuff, I've got a few pictures, but but not near enough of what we've done together, uh, people that I've worked with. And, you know, sadly, some of the guys that I've worked with are dead now. And I don't have jack shit of them. I don't have any pictures of them, nothing like that. And it, it's something that I've kind of missed out on. So it's something that I've made, a you know, basically a personal commitment to try to do better at. And I was working at one of my part-times, which is an EMS job. And there's several guys that work there that are, that are firemen. And they work there part-time too and this, that, and the other. And they work at other departments that don't necessarily have that, like you were saying, um, you know, and I've harped on a lot on here is that level of exposure. Things that you and I will see in a structure fire of a house that's on fire. And we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's interior all day long. Most people don't necessarily have that because all they see hell the whole roof may be burning in in a picture or something and they're like oh there's no way that's fully involved you can't go inside and i'm like yeah man but that's just a fucking attic fire or that's just a second story fire the whole first level is going to be clear you're solid you can go in and unless you have that level of exposure most people can't see that or understand that just outside looking in so we were sitting there at the table and my ems chief i was talking about one of the fires i had posted last week uh, that we made and it was ripping. I mean, it was a single story residential bread and butter fire, but it was burning his fucking ass off. And, uh, I actually pulled the fucking bumper line. I was the, we were the second or third end pumper on it. And they had some guys that got stuck at the front door. And I, I don't know exactly what was going on. Something was up with their hose line. I can't remember if they had pressure issues or if they had a malfunction, I think maybe their hose might've had a hole in it, something like that. Anyways, I passed their ass up on the front porch and we went in and went and, and uh, tapped the fire out. But I was just talking about it and clowning. Cause those guys had seen it on my Facebook and they were like, damn, you went inside on that. I'm like, yeah, all day long. And I got to talking and, and it's something that I, I think is really important. And I know you're going to agree with, uh, especially in the areas that we're, we, we have worked, but something I think people really miss or forget about, especially in this business with that whole risk versus reward and blah, 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 that comes out of a lot of these administrations and policy handbooks and SOGs, you have to understand at where you work. So you made a you made a comment earlier about a story where, you know, we made a fire and it was ripping its ass off. And I know exactly what fire you're talking about, um, that the lady was in there and, and she had gone to the hospital or whatever. But knowing your district and knowing these people, knowing the households, the families, all that shit is such a vital importance because what people don't understand, if you work in an area like I have most of my career and you have too, these people, that's all they have. You may drive by and especially, let's be honest, because you know I'm good about it on this show, I'm going to beat up some fire chiefs. Fire chiefs that are making $100,000, $150,000, $250,000 a year and they live in their nice little fucking brick house up on the, you know, the outskirts of town in the suburbs and they're driving their flat car home and all that kind of stuff, they've lost touch with a lot of the reality for the districts in some of these fire departments. These people don't have the homeowner's insurance policy like you do. These people don't have the photo albums and all the the technology shit backups for all their stuff in a fireproof case that like you do uh a lot of these people in these areas where i've worked and where you work and so many of us work that little single story shotgun shack residential that most administrations will have a policy or say oh there's no way that it's risk versus reward why would you ever go inside that because that's all those people fucking have 
They don't have homeowner's insurance. Their whole life and everything they do in the two or three jobs that they work pays for that little shotgun check that you're looking at. And, you know, going to the story where where we were talking about, we were going back and forth, and some of the guys were kind of beating me up on my tactics, but they've never worked in some of the places I have, so they don't necessarily even understand the mindset and where I'm cool with that that exposure ain't shit to me. Uh, but the EMS chief, anyway, she comes out of her office cause she was, she was over listening and, uh, comes out, gives me a big hug and tells me that because she actually started her medic career off, uh, years ago, 40 years ago, riding with, with Houston fire department. And so she was brought in 40 years ago under that mindset that, you know, in these, in these lower income, uh, hood type environments, firemen get it. Because, yeah, you may be only saving a 1,000-square-foot shotgun shack, but it's all that those people have. And if you can get in there and put any kind of stop on it at all and save anything, then you're doing them uh, a, a true service that's going to mean the world to them. And like that fire that we made the other day, you know, the guys were at, well, what did you even say? Well, yeah, we burnt the roof off that bitch. I'll say that all day long. We burnt the roof off of it. The house was totaled. But what I will say is in that living room where all that fire was ripping in that picture, there was a whole damn bookcase full of photo albums. Now, this was a very older Hispanic couple that was living in this house. They've probably been in that house for 30 years. It's all they've got, like I said. And no, we didn't save the house, but there was about 20 to 25 photo albums of pictures from way like way older pictures probably their their grandparents that were in these photo albums that they probably to be honest probably brought from mexico with them there's no fucking zip drive there's no backup cd dvd of these photos these are the originals and they're all that they are and us getting in there and going interior on that shit and and putting that knock on that fire save those photo albums and when we carried that shit out there to those people and, and that lady started crying and stuff, and, of course, she's speaking Spanish and she's saying thank you and all that good stuff you know, that goes along with that, at no point in my mind did I give a fuck about a policy. And that is a mindset that we have got to bring back. It's your fucking job to get in there. The risk versus reward shit is lawyer bullshit. It's our job to go inside on these fires, guys. And if it's even to save one bookcase full of photo albums, that's your fucking job. 100%, man. That, that risk versus reward should be your, your understanding. Like, there is a risk versus reward, but what that should be is, is I am I going on a suicide mission or not? You know what I mean? Like, I do want to go home to my family, but at the same time, I signed up to risk it. You know what I mean? Like, you go to any fire academy in the world, and you ask these kids, these young guys that are in the Spire Academy, you ask them, like, hey, are you are you willing to, you know, go into a burning building and die for your job? And, then, you know, they're going to say, yeah. And if they say, yeah, then um, you, if they say, yeah, then, um, sorry, um, you ask any of these kids that go, go to these fire academies, you know, you ask them and say, hey, you know, are you willing to risk your life? You understand that you could die doing this job. They all say yes. And you took an oath. To, uh, to uphold that you take you, you you signed up to do this so why in five ten years from now are you like no i ain't doing that that's scary you know what i mean it's like that don't make sense to me and uh, i tip my hat to mo davis a lot and uh one thing that i will say that he says that i just kind of dude I, I took it and i ran with it and i'm like yep that's that's it right there i'm not god 
I don't know. I don't have. I don't have Superman vision. I can't see through walls. I don't do when I when you talk about like survivability profiling and stuff like that. I'm sorry, dude. Like I know I ruffle feathers when I say this. I don't buy into it, man. I really don't. I'm not God. I don't know what's in there. There's been several fires that have come out, you know, and it's all online. And I can find fires to argue my point. You can find fires to argue your point. But there's been multiple fires where people look from the outside and there's like, there's no way, there's no way somebody could be in that building. And they are, I think it was Florida fire. One of the departments in Florida just had that happen not too long ago where they had somebody on the phone with dispatch and an elderly woman was sitting at the table saying, I can hear them spraying my house. I can hear them. Are they coming to get me? And the dispatcher's like, yeah, they're coming. I'm trying to tell them to get their butt in there. And they're like, no, no way. Nobody's in there. It's a defensive fire. And dispatcher's like, no, I'm telling you, I'm on the phone with them right now. That way, that poor lady died in that house. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and my thing is, dude, that's, that's, that's bad, man. And I don't, I'm not, I don't know those dudes personally. And I'm not sitting here trying to bash those dudes or, or getting to know that whole thing. But I mean, I don't buy into that, man. You know what my job is as a fireman is to show up and make the situation better, put the fire out and help as best as I can. And that goes into all aspects of it. One other thing that I ran about a lot is I don't know where in the fire service, when it happened or when it became the newest fad, but I'm not afraid to put water in a house, but I'm not going to cause more water damage to a house than there is fire damage. I see a lot of people go and bust open a front door and you're sitting there reading the smoke conditions and everything is telling you that this fire is at the back. You don't have rollover. You don't have anything coming out at you, but thick, cold, lazy black smoke. And I see firemen open the nozzle right at the front door and ruin everything in that hallway. Everything in that dining room, just ruin it all by water damage. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Get back there. Get up on that fire. And it's hot. No, no shit. (laughs) <laughs> it's on fire dude go in there you're gonna get a little fucking toasty get your ass in there put that fire out and save as much as you can man put that fire out open up some ventilation keep that hand line in there you know dude i can't tell you how many house fires i put out with 300 500 gallons of water but we got fire trucks nowadays that have a thousand gallons of water most of your fire departments are ordering fire trucks with thousand gallons of water on the tank right mm-hmm. dude that's, that's that's a lot of water dude you it is I mean? if you're willing if you're willing to get in there and get to the seat of fire quick, that's that's plenty of water uh, in most yeah, situations. If, you're still, if, the, if the fire's in the back of the house and you're sitting here causing water damage to you know a front living room or a front dining room or whatever like that, you know what's happening while you're not putting out the fire causing water damage? The fire's growing <laughs> and getting worse. <laughs> so what's your what's your honest what's your honest thought of why? as a fire service, we've kind of become that, like why guys have, have started being that way rather than, cause I, I, I reference to Mo on here all the time. Um, you know, we've worked around each other for years and, uh, I have tons of respect for, for what he's done in his career and what he's doing now. Um, and I completely agree with, with basically everything that he's putting out, but what do you think is the, what do you think is the switch that made the fire service kind of become for what, you know, his generation, they're not much older than us. I think there's a, I think there's a couple of things that play into that in the conversation. And and I think the number one thing is we have a generation of fire service personnel that was scared 
to speak up and say what's right and what's wrong and know this is BS. A lot of people, you got to think, man, the older generation, whenever, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the fire service or anything, your older guys that are in, you know, their forties and fifties and stuff right now, they were, they came into their job and they were told you're going to do it this way because I fucking said so. And you're, and they're just like, okay. And that was that's that's cool with them. But you have this younger generation coming in right now, dude. I even have rookies that challenge me all the time. I've got a guy that he was my rookie, but now he's uh, he's a fireman at a, at a different station, and I hated to lose him. But dude, that guy kept me on my toes because he wants to know why, 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 why. And if you don't know the why behind what you're doing, he's about to fucking school you because that dude just spent the last six hours watching NIST videos. And and he's going to come and ask you what your opinion is on something. And you better have your facts checked because that dude's about to school you and be like, no, this is that, this is this, this is that. So I think we're reaching this newer generation of the fire service that you can't bullshit them, dude. They're going to come at you with with the brass tacks and hard facts. And whether you like it or not, they don't give a shit about your feelings. The research shows what the research shows. And so I think you're losing – you know, those people in the fire service that were in those roles that were too scared to speak up and too scared to do something or make a change or, you know, a chief's like, well, we're not cutting holes in roofs anymore. And everybody's like, okay. Now a chief's like, hey, we're not cutting roofs and uh, holes in roofs no more. And now you've got all these young captains that are in their early 30s that are like, bullshit. You've been that guy in that living room calling for a hole that ain't getting one fast enough? That's what my question yeah. is because I've been that guy and I'm begging for a fucking hole. That's what I'm saying. Is you, got, you, got these, you got this younger generation coming in right now, and I, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm like, I'm right on the I'm in between two generations. I'm, I'm a mixture of the old generation that is just shut the fuck up and do your job like I told you to, and a mixture of the why. I'm a, I'm a good little breed between both. But mm-hmm. I, and so I understand both a lot. But, dude, us guys that are coming up right now, you know, uh, in the late 20s and our mid-20s and stuff like that, dude, we're, we're kind of punching people in the mouth and saying, hey, man, like, why are you doing what you're doing? And if you don't have a good enough answer, we're about to take you to the ball game. You know what I mean? That's just Mm -hmm. how it is. But I think that that's how, I think that's how it should be. I really do. I think that we have let, because a a lot of the roles of those guys that are in those spots, the decision makers is what I call them. They don't have that backing. And so their only answer is kind of like the whole, uh, what your mama used to tell you about. Well, because I said so, and so you had so many people that just fell along with it, but now it's gone to the point where it's 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 hurting us and our operational ability at so many departments that now guys are like, uh, no, we can't do that. You're you're gonna cost us our fucking jobs or our lives by these policies and by these things that you're just wanting blind compliance for. How about we actually have a real discussion about how firefighting actually works and about what's best for the community? A hundred percent, dude. In the eighties, you didn't have, you didn't have access to technology and what I have in my, in the palm of my hand that I'm talking to you on right now. If I, if I have a question about fire tactics or behavior, I can have an NIST video pulled up on my phone in less than two minutes. Faster than your average fireman can get dressed and turned out for, I can be learning about fire behavior and what it does and, and, you know, uh, one and a half stories and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I, I, all the information's out there, and For so sure. you grow up. All these kids that all these kids grew up in classrooms, like like I'm a I'm a teacher at the college. I'm an instructor at one of the the fire academies, and I have to tell these kids why. 
because they grew up with tablets in their hand. They grew up with computers in the classroom. And I didn't grow up like that, but I understand that they did. And so they had access to unlimited information at any at any given time with high speed internet, they don't know what dial up is. And dude, if it takes if it takes dude, if it takes more than a half second for their damn page to load, they're like trash. This is four G right now. Oh, my God, sucks. Like I'm like, dude, I used to have to wait for five minutes for a page to load an inch at a time. Yeah, you were getting uh, <laughs> one boob at a time, baby. One boob at a time. Yeah, yeah. dude, I'm telling you, that's, just, hey, that's a good girl. <laughs> Hey, it's the truth. I I remember that. Yeah, you talk about now. I mean, and honestly, though, so like my oldest daughter is about to be 16. So you're talking about, which I didn't know you were instructing. So that just opens up a whole a whole other conversation. But you're talking about kids that are literally two two years older than my oldest daughter. And you're absolutely correct. Like she has had access her entire life to more information than most of us can even fathom. And she's brilliant. I mean, she gets on my nerves because she's my kid, but she's brilliant. And the whole mentality of, well, it's because, you know, because I said so, or that that's just how it's done, doesn't work for these kids. And, you know, my last episode, I had um, Chief Costa on, and we talked a lot about that, uh, the next generation coming up and what we're going to have to do as a fire service to attract these people. And, you know, because we have to fill these spots. We have to, I mean, they're coming. Like it or not, the old heads, the the boomers are all retiring. They're going out. That that whole generation of stay at a job, no matter what they feed you, no matter what kind of shit sandwich you're served for 30 years, you get your gold watch, take your pension, and go to the house and shut up. They're gone. And the next guys coming in are exactly what we're talking about. They have been told, and, and let's be honest, They've been told by that boomer generation or the the next generation ever, which is what, Gen X, I think is our parents, whatever. But anyway, our parents are the ones that taught us because they watched their parents have blind compliance. Our generations taught us, ask questions, have a brain, do your own research, learn, and all this. And now we're teaching our kids, which truthfully, we're old enough for some of these kids that are coming in the fire service, some of these 18-year-olds could very well be our kids. Um, we've taught them, like I teach my daughters at the table all day long, do not take somebody's word for this shit. Do not just eat a shit sandwich and expect, like there's way too big a world, there's way too many options, there's too much out there for y'all to just get beat up for somebody to get a power trip. I mean, I teach my kids right here at the same kitchen table I'm sitting at right now. I tell them that same thing. So, and I know countless other parents out there doing the same thing. I know you're teaching your son and your daughter that. You're teaching, I mean, hell, you got them in damn jujitsu classes. They're learning to fend for themselves and think for themselves and problem solve. So, in 10 years, your kids are going to be the ones coming in this fire service, and they've been problem solving since they were toddlers. So, we literally have that coming in the fire service. And we're expecting to just be able to tell them some bullshit because it's a way of the fire service for the last 20 years and they're going to bite into that. It's never going to happen. And I think like what Chief Costa was talking about, about having to actually get in 
on the level with these guys in high school and and teaching them what the fire service is truly about teaching them you know the actual aspects of the fire service whether it's building construction and being able to do all the things that most kids nowadays aren't having to do like all your typical blue collar stuff because that was one of the main topics was blue collar stuff whether it's plumbing electrical all those things that we kind of grew up doing these kids aren't having to do that necessarily so we're having to teach them all that but they have fucking brains and so we are going to have to get on the level with them of saying like these are the reasons why we do these things because we learned A, B, and C from trial and error and it cost people's lives and all this stuff. We have to truly explain that shit to them. And I can't be mad at it because, hell, I'm sitting here almost 35 and you're not going to feed me a shit sandwich and think that it's okay. So I, I think that we have a huge generational gap in the in the fire department. I really do. And the, the the deal is, is that older generation that of blind compliance, you do as you're told from your employer, it's just how it is, blah, 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 blah. They're all leaving. So I think that's awesome that we have a guy like you on the front lines in these classes that when people ask like, hey, why do we cut holes? You're giving real life shit rather than some some bullshit that oh, somebody shit. else told told you back in the day, blah 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 blah, of why we do or don't do such items. I think that's fucking awesome, man. Oh my, man, hey man, I'll, sp- <laughs> I'll kind of spare you the whole. I won't, we won't get into too much fire tactics and stuff. But usually in this conversation right now, my captain usually puts his head in his hands because one of my favorite topics of conversation is atmospheric pressure and flow pass. So I usually about this time of the conversation, I'm like holding people's hand, walking them to the the freaking war room at my station. I've got a dry erase marker and a freaking whiteboard, and I'm like, so you got this house right here, the atmospheric pressure. <laughs> I start going off, dude. My my cat's heard that speech so many times but uh well all you need to know if you if you're listening to this show and you don't understand all that of what he's talking about walk in your mama's bathroom grab her hair dryer and put a damn tube of of pvc plastic or something like that on it and blow yourself in the face and that's what you need to know about flow path and how to direct that hot ass air that's blowing in your face somewhere else that's flow path is that is that about right yes it sounds about right yeah uh, (laughs) I get I get into the atmospheric pressure like the fourteen point seven uh, down here where we're at. I'm like fourteen point seven, and then heat increases the atmospheric pressure, and it goes to the path of least resistance. I just start going off, dude. It's funny, but um, anyways, uh, another one that I have uh, kind of to piggyback on this conversation a little longer is uh, you talked about why I think that the fire service is the way it is right now, and uh, this is a cock loaded fist reared back and ready to swing, and I'm gonna piss a lot of people off with this one. I think a big I think a big problem in the fire services and what I've seen personally is you have a, we had a, the fire service in America was very, very volunteer driven for a long time and the needs and the demands changed, right? It's hard to convince these kids nowadays, the point of volunteering, they just, they don't understand it. They don't, they don't understand how important it is to give um they they want to get and receive and and not saying that's right or wrong but that's just the facts of the way it is ask any ask any fire station that still has volunteers around how much they're struggling to find and recruit volunteers and retain them because majority of the volunteers that they get end up getting their certifications and becoming full-time either there or somewhere else anyways 
So volunteering is honestly, man, it's a dying breed. And it's where I started. I don't hate volunteers. I don't throw shade at volunteers. But the problem is, is when these departments are going full time, you have people that did this for volunteer gigs, for recreational fun, not as a professional firefighter. And now they're chiefs. Mm. And they didn't earn. Some of them didn't earn their positions. Some of them, it was more of a boys club of just, hey, we're the most popular people here. I think I should be a fire chief. I think you should be an assistant chief. I think you should be a training chief. I think you should be a division chief. And that's how some of these people got their jobs. Well, and, and like where I volunteered, because I volunteered starting out too, uh, the chief's positions were elected. So it 100% was a, a popularity contest. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a buddy system. And guess who ends up in that position? The click. Guess mm-hmm. who stays in that position? The click. Because it's a good old boy system and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. However, there are checks and balances being put into fire services where I don't, you don't believe me, hide and watch and, and call me back in 10 years and tell me I was right. <laughs> a lot of these guys are at the end of their careers. They're looking at retiring in five to 10 years from now, mm-hmm. you know, and who's going to fill their spots after that. Hopefully the people that earn their way up from ranked positions, I would like to see that what I would like to see is these guys who earn their spots on a truck to the captain role, rode the truck with the guys, worked their way up to a district chief role and so on and so forth, you know, and then they, now they're falling into a fire chief role. And now not only could they be a good fire chief, you know, because of, of their life experience. But those dudes, those dudes did ride backwards at one point. So they understand mm-hmm. what it's like versus you have a lot of fire chiefs right now that have no idea what it's like to be sitting there riding backwards while having a HFD part-timer screaming at you that you're a dumbass and don't know shit. <laughs> yeah. For clarification, guys, he's talking about, uh, Houston fire department. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I talk about Houston here because I, I'll say all day long, I'll, I'll stand by this. Houston has uh, has their turds, just like every department is. But overall, in the world, uh, in my mind, Houston Fire Department, the guys that are getting it are the Navy SEALs of the fucking fire service. I mean, they oh, yeah. the statistics said, right? the statistics showed at FDIC a few years ago, Houston Fire Department has more interior fire operations than any other fire department in the world. And so, I mean. Overall, those guys, uh, 99% of them are straight-up badass firemen, and, and Clay had the uh, the opportunity to be a rookie underneath uh, some very senior and seasoned guys that came from hot houses that burned the world down, and they had very high expectations. And, you know, as the captain, because the deal was where we worked, we had some part-timers that worked there uh, that filled different positions, and one of them was on our crew. I constantly had, you know, a different part-timer, and it was a handful of different guys that kind of rotated on our crew depending on their availability. And they ate up the firemen because they had high expectations. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that guys have to that have to come up under an environment of men and women that expect you to be really good at your job, um, you're going to have to become good at your job. And, you know. Oh, yeah. It worked. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I, I'll never forget, man, when I first started in the fire service, man, I didn't understand what it was like to I, – I never – dude, I lived my whole life growing up pretty much raising myself. And with that being said, you know, like I never knew what it felt like to be held accountable or for somebody to, you know, tell me that I was messing up, you know. 
obviously, you know, if you're raising yourself, you're like, oh, I'm doing a great job. I'm doing the best at this. I never make any mistakes. Well, the fire service is the first place I got punched in the mouth and was told I don't know anything and that I need to pay attention, you know? I think that uh, your your time riding underneath those Houston guys and, you know, all that that came along with it, I think it was good for you. And, and they really, you know, you were talking about how they uh, they held you accountable and some of the life stuff that you had been through, you didn't really have that in the past. You didn't have, uh, you know, people basically telling you like, hey, Clay, you're fucking up. You need to uh, – you need to step your game up or that, or even, even worse. Like, Hey man, like that shit's completely unacceptable. Um, oh, well, man, for, for sure. And that, that being held accountable goes all the way back to fire Academy, man. I had this, I had this guy who's actually, he's actually a captain at my full-time job. And, um, he was an instructor at the fire Academy when I went through and dude, this guy picked on me 24 seven in the fire Academy. Like when I knew when I was pulled up to fire Academy, I seen his truck. I was like, Oh God, man. I'm like, I don't like this guy. This guy picks on me all the time. He's always messing with me. Like he'd walk up and he would take my accountability stick, like right out of my pocket and like chunk it on top of the burn building and make everybody hold planks while I had to go get it. Like, I'm like, man, golly dang. And, uh, so dude, I go through fire Academy. I was like, this guy hates me man like i don't understand what, what i ever did to this guy but he was always picking on me and uh never really put much thought into it once i left the academy but he definitely made it hard for me and um fast forward to me getting a job at the place that i work at now man and uh in a room full of people that said that they didn't want to hire me that guy stood up and was like i'll take him any day that dude ain't got no quit in him. I like that guy. Hell, if y'all don't want him, I'll put him on my truck. And so it, it took me forever to realize that it wasn't because that dude hated me or that he was picking on me. It's that he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and he pushed me further so that way I, I, I could go beyond my limits, you know. And still to this day, man, I, I, that dude could call me at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. At the drop of a hat, I'd be like, what do you need? I, I would, there's, not, there's not any what's in it for me. I would just go do it for him because he's, he's done – so much for me, man. Uh, he's a great guy. And, um, I try to pay that forward in everything, you know, look, looking back in my career, I look back and I see the younger guys coming up and I, I just pay it forward by doing the same thing to them. And of course they think the same exact thing that I did is like, Oh, this guy's being mean. This guy's being mean. You know, he's, he's pushing me further. He, he doesn't do this to these other guys. And I'm like, well, it's cause I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. And those HFD guys that were part-time with us, you know, they, they were no different. You know, they held me to a way higher standard than what I held myself to. And, and guess what? That's, now my new standard today you know what i mean and and uh guys sometimes it can seem like people are being mean to you and and you know i'm going to be honest with you some people in this world are mean and they they are they are that way but really sit back and ask yourself is this person being mean to me or is this person trying to challenge me to be a better person than what i currently am because he sees the mistakes that i'm making because he made the same ones himself mm. yeah i <laughs> I think that that uh that's something that we both kind of went through uh throughout our careers. I think everybody has. Well, my uh, I guess my last main real question for you for this show, I, I'm going to continue have you on. You know, with you being being partnered up with us and and part of this tack fight team as being a third alarm fighter, you're you're going to come back on. I'm going to get to to get you to open up and dive way more into your life and all that kind of stuff. I just I'm glad that we got to do this intro uh so people kind of get to know a little bit of who you are. But what 
you know, it's it's a big conversation. Even Chief Costa said it. Um, Chief Dave Robertson said it on this show. I've had you know several guys on this show that have talked about the next upcoming generation, what we need to do to kind of mold and shape them and all that. But you know, now that I'm learning that you're really deep, you know, in the trenches with training the next generation at at really one of the largest um, academies and training areas in, in our state. To be honest, what what are you seeing with this younger group uh, coming up? I mean, do they have the desire and the want to and, you know, do they want to be firemen uh, like we did? Do they have all that or is it just, you know, all all your typical bullshit that you hear from everybody about, oh, this next generation is trash, blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you really and truly seeing out of them? You're talking about having heart and all that. I mean, what are you seeing? What, what I see a lot of, and, and I just went through this with, with my own rookie on my fire truck at the station, and, and it's it's no different. I see the same thing in him that I see in a lot of the guys that are coming in the fire service right now. And what's different is, you know, when uh, you're, you're cut from the same cloth as me. We grew up in the country. We grew up in the hood. We grew up back in the country, went back to the hood, and, and so on and so forth. So we got a little hood and a little country, right? But from that, from as early as I can remember, I had a job in some fashion, whether it was being paid for that job or whether it was just you're going to work because I told you to work, boy. And that's just how it is. Um, but I always was working with my hands, even before the fire service. You know, I did the oil field. I did plumbing. I did uh, – I did um, stuff with horses. I worked for a, a two-time world championship roper taking care of his horses and his farm. I mean, I did I did all kinds of different stuff working with my hands and learning all different kinds of things. The number one thing that I see in common with all these kids right now and the younger generation is their job was H-E-B. Their job was working in a store or a, a storefront somewhere, working in the A.C., they don't know like retail type jobs yes best buy heb so on and so forth right mm-hmm. and, it, and it's, it's a job that they had available to them so i i commend them for getting a job let's not, not look at the negative you know a lot of guys are going to look at the negative and be like oh this man's never worked with a hand in his day in his life and blah 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 and i, and I get it dude but that kid didn't know any better at that time he didn't sure. know his future was going to be a firefighter you know what i mean he, he some of these kids are going to college and they're going to go get degrees but some of them are actually like i'll speak for my rookie my rookie woke up and realized that, hey, dude, I've been in college my whole entire life and and I'm going to have nothing to show for it and I can't really get a good job doing it. So my rookie's actually only a couple hours away from having, I think it's a master's degree. Wow. Um, and he jumped ship and went to a fire academy. But now I've got this task of being, I have to teach him how to do manly stuff and mm-hmm. teach him how to be a fireman at the same time. And so just understand like when you're getting these younger kids, like the challenge that's going to be up against you, I'd I'd be willing to bet you cash money that you're going to get somebody. Chances are that you're going to have to teach them to be a man and a fireman at the same time. And it's a tough, it's a tough job to do. There's so much to learn just being a fireman, but now I got to, I got to teach you manly stuff too. You know, things that, you know, you should have learned working trade jobs and odd jobs and stuff like that growing up. But, um, I mean, it's a it's a challenge, but I mean, you knew what the role was when you signed up to be a captain, mm-hmm. did you not? You know what I mean? If you're a captain yeah. or you're an EO, that's your job. Nobody said it was going to be easy, so get off the recliner and go train your guy. It sucks, dude. But uh, I mean, you, 
that's what I see the most in, in this younger generation is that they, they don't, this is their first time experiencing blue collar style work of just, Hey dude, sometimes you just got to bite your lip and push through it. It's going to hurt. It sucks. It's painful, but that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know, take a, we can take a break afterwards, but right now I need you to dig deep and push further than you've ever pushed. And, and they're, they're not used to that. It's uncomfortable for them. And so as long as you're understanding and pushing them in that direction, and you don't quit on them, I notice that they haven't quit on me. Mm. So, so when you when you say don't uh, when you're saying don't quit on them, I mean you're you're obviously you're right there with them, and you're you're doing like one on one style coaching, like pushing them through it, or like what exact when you say you know you're not quitting on them. Um, I mean, I know what I would do in that situation when people reach their gut check point, when they reach that point of complete fatigue and you're trying to just get more out of them. What exactly are you doing, you know, to make them break, break that gap and get, get in there? What are you doing? Honestly, I'm telling them the why. Like I said, like I said earlier in this, you know, you got to tell them the why. If they, if you're just doing something to do it, they're, they're uninterested and they, they lose interest in it real quick. But if you tell them the why behind what they're doing, you know, they, they tend to understand it a little bit more. But to relate kind of what you're saying, I, I bounce back to my rookie, right? My rookie, you know, uh, we we train a lot with him, and and you know, uh, we're we're you know three four hours a day training sometimes, and and that's. That's just what it is. You know, I don't, I don't stop training until we get the point across. And then guess what? Next week, we're probably going to hit it again. And we're going to hit it until not you get it right, but you can't get it wrong type thing. And um, he, he said something to me a couple of weeks ago. I was like, hey, man, I was like, come, come in here to the gym and work out with me. I know you work out on your off days, but why don't you work out at the gym, at the station? And he's like, oh, man, well, we just train three, four hours a day, you know, and so I'm tired. And I, I like, stopped looking dead in the eyes, and I was like, bro, you don't think I'm fucking tired? I'm like, I was just out there with you. I'm like, I, I should, but I still got to put in my sets and reps, man. I still got to get my workout in. I was like, training's training, workouts, workout. Like, and so I told him, I was like, hey, bro, uh, you can either A, start bringing your PT crap, or you can work out in your station gear. I don't care. But that's up to you. But uh, you, owe, you owe us PT every day, man. And he's like, oh, dang. And so, I mean, ever since, ever since then, you know, he understands, like, hey, dude, we got training and we got PT. And I told him, like, dude, I don't care if you're tired or not, man, like I, I get it. It sucks, but we got to build you up to this point because when you signed up to be a fireman, you signed up to be a professional athlete. It's just in a different way. And you're not catching a football, but I mean, you're going to do some athletic crap and you're doing yourself and your public a disservice if you're not physically prepared for that. And so I, I you know, I explain it to him why he needs to do it, but I'm also right there with him living that life. I'm out there with him putting in the three to four hours of training. And then I turn around, get back to the station and I'm in the gym with him. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. he sees that you're leading by example, you know, then, then that that's, you're able to get buy-in from your guys that way. If you lead by example and the more buy-in you get, the more they're just going to fall in line, man. But I've had rookies. I've had people at the fire Academy that I I hear it from all kinds of guys, man. They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. And I'm not going to sit here and, 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 you know, act like I'm not guilty of it too. You know, we get, we get so caught up in gossip at the firehouse. I'm like, Oh yeah, man, I don't know if that guy's going to make it either. But the thing is, is if you pour everything you got into them, as long as they don't quit, why are you quitting? For sure. I, man, you know, 
you know that's a that's a very valid point i completely and totally agree with you on that i think that so many people write guys off because they don't like them personally or whatever it is that they don't necessarily give them a chance and i think that even goes into our hiring process i think that uh a lot of departments out there including some of the ones that i've tested for and stuff i I clown you know one of my best friends who's been on this show uh chief sean black i clown all the time about how you know i've gone on and had amazing career and and made more fires uh than any of his guys have that work for him at at our local department here and it was that typical thing you know the the administration that was at over the department at that time had a um you know a a certain view towards me and towards guys that grew up in that town and we didn't get a fair shake. And so they basically quit on us without even giving us that option. And then, you know, fortunately most of us have gone on and worked in either in Houston area or Beaumont, Texas area and everything like that. And, and done really great in our careers, but it was all come down to just somebody just didn't even give it the shot. They quit on you before you even got the opportunity to even try. And then you sit here years later and you know i kind of put their business out here because it's public they could hire 14 men right now at that department because they're so short-staffed they have the budget and the clearance and they can't get the applicants they don't have the applicants because the word got out that they don't give people a fair shake there and so people don't even apply they don't even try uh and that's kind of what we're looking at it honestly a lot of places where we've had say the last 10, 15, 20 years at so many places where people were giving up on guys because of personal feelings or uh, whatever you want to call it, bias towards um, not giving people a fair shot. And some of these people have turned out to be rock stars at other places and done great things. So you never know who that guy is that's in that academy. You don't even know, you know, if that guy could be the next Mo Davis or anything. You don't know. You got to give them a chance, and just because they might have grown up in an apartment and don't know all the blue collar shit, they don't know how to how to suffer through the pain, uh, you know, that takes at some of these firegrounds and just pushing through, like you were talking about. Just hey, man, just <laughs> suck it up right now. We'll die later when we get back to the station. You can go get your shower and just lay down and cry if you got to. I mean, sometimes that's just how it goes because uh, yeah, your whole damn body hurts. But uh. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do, but man, at, at the same time, like, like I said at the very beginning of this, this podcast, man, I, I got into the fire service for the brotherhood, for the masculinity side of things, for to be surrounded with a bunch of grown men that just get the job done. You know what I mean? That's what, mm-hmm. that's how the, whether you like it or not, that's what the community sees us and that's how they expect us to be. And if they knew how, what's going on in a lot of these firehouses, they would be sick. There'd be a lot of budget cuts and you ain't getting no more tax <laughs> increases. I can get, I can guarantee you that. That's so a my fact. thing with this is is uh one fact is that if you don't like the way that that new rookie is and you don't like his mentality or his work ethic you need to go and change it and check it right now because if you don't that's the future generation of the fire service that's what's coming up underneath you when you become a battalion chief if that ever happens that's going to be your captain 
mm-hmm. if you become a fire chief, that's going to be your battalion chief and so on and so forth. So if you don't teach that dude how the fire service really is and how he should conduct himself and how he should carry himself at the station level, get used to that because that's what you're going to deal with the rest of your career because you were too lazy and pathetic to get out there and put in the reps with him because you didn't like him or you didn't feel like it or he was a quote-unquote lost cause. Mm. Man. Well, bro, I think uh, I think that's a pretty good intro to who you are and uh, what you believe in, and I love every bit of it. I I have to commend you on the fact that I know the things that you're saying. You know, it's not just talk. I've seen you do it. I've seen you get out there. Man, I'll never forget that story when it was like 1130 at night, and uh, you and the EO, you were a rookie, but y'all wanted to go do – it was when we were still cross-staffing the ladder truck. So for those of you that don't know what that means uh, – we were at a station that we had a ladder truck and a and an engine, a pumper, and we would we'd staff both. Depending on the what call came in, how it was dispatched, we'd either jump on the ladder or we'd jump jump on the pumper. And Clay was new, so he was trying to learn a lot of the ladder operations and how all that goes. He was pretty solid when it came to all the pumper stuff, but he hadn't really played much around with the ladder and specifically that one. And so <laughs> I uh, I'm laying in bed. It's like eleven thirty at night and uh I'm, of course, I was the captain on shift. I'm laying in bed, and I happened to look at one of, one of their – I don't remember if it was you or the or the other guy's story on Facebook, and they're out there flowing damn water out of the out of the ladder truck doing uh, pump and ladder operations out of the ladder pipe <laughs> at 1130 at night. And I'm like, what in the hell are y'all doing? You remember that? <laughs> I remember doing that, dude. I, I remember we were the most of the time when we were in trouble. It was for training too much, <laughs> or we broke something during training. Like we were never in trouble because we actually like messed up. It was because we were using in-service air packs, dragging them across the bay floor, or we went underneath the fire truck to like to, to like simulate confined space, and we ripped mm-hmm. our coat on something like <laughs> one of the hangers underneath or something. Like we were always in trouble for doing extra stuff and it was like well it's kind of a double-edged sword it's like you, you know you want the guys to train but they're tearing all this stuff up during training but what are you doing mm-hmm. so, i remember being in trouble for doing the right thing all the time <laughs> yeah it was pretty comical that we had a we had a really good crew i i have nothing nothing but good stuff to say when it came to uh just everybody's abilities on that crew and, and really honestly everyone that we worked with has gone on we've got a couple guys on that crew uh work on the same side of town as us in houston a couple guys end up going actually to work for houston fire department uh and some guys work on the south side everybody's gone on to do really great things with their career so i'm i'm really proud of that and i'm proud of what what we were able to accomplish working there and the experience we were able to get really for all of us i think it paved a good way to get us all a lot of exposure to a lot of fire uh, a lot of extrication and all that good stuff and and move forward man well let's uh let's wrap this up i uh i know you got it's uh march 30th is going to be your uh your first fight is that correct uh, March 30th is my next fight. I've had I've had a couple of them, man, and, and that, that goes back to what I was talking about. That I love the process of jiu-jitsu. You know, obviously everybody wants to win, but uh, right now I'm coming off of uh, I got one win and uh, three losses, and I'm coming uh, back for this one. And uh, my last uh, every loss, man, you learn you learn a lot from it, man. But there's a lot of people, you know, and and I put my money where my mouth is. Everything that I've just said in this podcast is exactly how I live my life. You know, I've got three losses 
right now going into another fight. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that at that point, they're just like, well, I quit. I hang it up, dude. This is embarrassing. You know what I mean? And it is humiliating, man. Your, your freaking wife, your kids are in the stand watching you get your ass whooped. That's not a good feeling, man. <laughs> but, uh, you got to set your own humility and your pride aside. And, and dude, what I see is my little boy looking at me and, you know, if I'm, if I'm taking a loss or something, dude, it is what it is. But I tell you what, it just goes right back to what I was saying earlier in this podcast. You know, he's watching how I lose and mm-hmm. he's watching what I do when I lose. And if he watches his daddy quit, he's going to quit too, because that's what daddy did. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not who I am, you know? And, and, you know, I don't care if I go on to lose the, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen, but I don't care if I go on to let, lose the next 10, 15 fights. We're still fighting again, man. It, it, I love the process. And if you fall in love with the process of something, you'll surpass whatever goal you ever committed to yourself. But if you don't love the process and you just have a goal in mind, you'll quit at some point. For sure, man. I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't. I'm glad that you wrapped that up talking about being a father too, because that's that's something that I really think as firefighters, you know, I, I throw out all the time of how we're America's bravest. You know, you Google America's bravest and it's all firefighter shit that pops up. That's that's what we are. We are known for being honorable uh, and courageous. And I think that's something that, that so many of us are missing, including me at certain parts of my life. I, I had, you know, my priorities were not necessarily aligned, uh, with how it should have been. And I think that, that those of us that are out here that are dads, that's something that guys seriously need to focus on the things that you're doing in your personal life, things you're doing at that fire station, all that. If you're a father, your kids are watching every single bit of that. Your kids are thinking about how dad is at the station and supposed to be doing the right thing and protecting people and serving people and and everything that firefighters are built up to be. So you need to be that. Quit quit getting sidetracked on on all of the mess that's going on, you know, out there and that's available and all that. It just it's 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 just not right. That's bottom line. That's that's what it is, and that's me kind of trying to to bring it back to to calling out our own community and some of the behaviors that I don't uh, necessarily think we need to be doing. I think we need to be focused on exactly what you're saying, worrying about exactly how our kids view us and, and shaping them for the future, shaping the next generation of firefighters for the future, and and really laying it out there, being truthful and transparent on what the world is really like, what the fire service is really like, and what's really expected. So that's all I got, man. Well, uh, you got any closing, closing stuff for, for all the listeners? Oh man, I appreciate it. Uh, the welcome to the team. Uh, he's probably gave me a little more of an introduction earlier than I needed, but uh, I appreciate it. And I'm glad to be a part of the team and I'm looking forward to future podcasts and fixing the fire service, whether it's one podcast at a time or one rookie at a time, we'll get it done. For sure, man. All right, Clay. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I'll, uh, I'll holler at you later. All right. Have a good one. All right, guys. Well, that's uh that's Clay Morris. I'm I'm can't even begin to tell y'all. We we could talk for hours. Clay and I have known each other for a long time. We have a lot of history, and really, it's a lot of great stories. He he cracks me up. He's a he's just a fiery, full of energetic guy, uh, full of energy guy. I mean, the things that that we've been through, the fires that we've made. The, the hard times in life, like I said earlier, he was right there with me, and then I've been right there with him with some of his stuff that's going on in his life, and I'm sure in future podcasts we'll kind of we'll get into some of that. But, man, it's so cool to see these guys that I've known throughout my career that have gone on to do great things in their career, to go on and do great things in their personal life, 
I'm so proud to be able to start building this um, this tack fight team. You know, it started with RJ Nepp and everything that he's accomplishing. He still has his fights. We uh, we are a go for for February 24th in Houston, Texas, at the Red Isle Inn. We're gonna be there representing him and really showing out for this uh, third alarm fighter team. It's uh, it's really pretty cool to, to know men that are out there that not only do they fight fire and they're they're great family men they handle everything uh you know on and off the job but then they also are willing to get into a ring or on a mat and all this and, and put their bodies on the line to prove something to themselves and then you know like clay's talking about to prove to his son what, what it's like to not be a quitter i mean that's really impressive and i hope that y'all took something from all of that and i can't wait to get him on to the next show but anyway guys well we uh we're wrapping up the uh, Valentine's Day sale that I have on the Third Alarm Cowboys cigars. So y'all be sure and go to the website, ten percent discount promo code VDay twenty four. That way you can get a uh, you know single cigar for a little bit of a discount. We do have the variety pack on there as well. It's the four pack, guys. I'm working right now. Popular demand. I've had a bunch of you ask me, send me messages on on my list of, of cigars asking well where's the trucky cigar where's the trucky cigar well just letting y'all know it's in the works i'm working on it we're going to be posting it to the website very shortly also for everybody out there that's a fool's member guys i uh i went ahead, i went ahead and, and you know i've let some of you know about it but we've locked locked in and got the designs in i got the secondary custom band made up for the fools group uh frontier fools out of texas is going to be pretty much my first secondary band they they have agreed and, and locked on with the partnership and all that good stuff and and we're firing away with them i'm just working on getting the website updated to be able to do everything that i want it to do but if you're a fool's group out there guys reach out to me send me a message i'm really working on something that's that's really pretty special it's special for me to be able to get these cigars out to y'all and provide something that's um really just cool I mean, bottom line, it's just cool. It's personal. I'm putting your name for your specific chapter of the Fools Group on on a cigar band. So you'll be able to hang out with the guys, whether it's at a training, whether it's at a conference, whether it's at any kind of event or you know your business meetings and all that good stuff that y'all have, where y'all are building that camaraderie, where y'all are putting out uh, really good information for everyone in the fire service. I'm offering y'all something special where that'll have your name on it. It's going to be something, and, and as well, it's going to come with a little bit of compensation on the back end of all this. It's it's something I want to do to help out y'all's mission. I know that's something that goes along with nonprofits is being able to raise the funds, you know, for your basically for your general fund to be able to operate, pay for stuff, put on all these great events and all that stuff. So I have something in the works, and I'm really proud to be doing it. Uh, I'm you know, putting up a good bit to be able to do this, just to be completely honest and transparent, because that's what I do on this show. But it's, I, I believe in what y'all are doing with the Fools organization. And so it's something that I want to be able to do with y'all. I believe that y'all have the fire service at best interest at heart and what you're doing and the camaraderie and brotherhood that y'all are building in your different chapters. And so I'm proud to be partnering uh, with several of the chapters here in Texas. We're just working on all the details and stuff like that. Anywhere else in the nation, y'all be sure and reach out to me. Send me a message. Shoot me an email. Go to the website, thirdalarmcowboys.com. You can find my email on there. And let me know whatever Fool's chapter that you're part of. 
and we can get all this in the works, and I can provide y'all something really cool with the Third Alarm Cowboys cigars. Other than that, guys, RJ Nepp's going to be fighting February 24th, Red Isle Inn in Houston. Clay Morris is going to be fighting in Houston on the northeast side around the New Caney Porter area on March 30th. So I'll be putting up his fight flyer uh, he sent to me, and we'll start advertising for that, guys. But this uh, this third alarm fighter team is really growing. Uh, I, I think it's so damn cool. I think it's so cool to have guys in different levels of combat sports that are firefighters full-time, and they're going out there and getting it done. So, guys, that's all I have for you all tonight. I will be uh, continuing to put out some good shows. I have several more really badass guests lined up. So we'll see you on the next one. Damn